Are disposable knives a trap? Self-defense, self-awareness, self-development. This is the Martial Arts Podcast with Phil Elmore. Hello and welcome to the Martial Arts Podcast with Phil Elmore. The Martial Arts Podcast with Phil Elmore is a production of philelmore.com and themartialist.net. I am the aforementioned Phil Elmore, your host. Let's see how many times I can say my name in the opening. Recently, I went to uh, Walmart to buy inventory for my store. I have an online store where I sell Kydex sheaths, and uh, sometimes I sell knives with them. Uh, in, in Walmart, uh, they used to have a, a mainstays knife that I really quite liked. It's quite inexpensive. It was a good design, and it made for a good uh, overall package for what is essentially a disposable fixed blade knife carry package with a Kydex sheath. Um, some time ago, there was a redesign, which often happens. And the new knife is a little bit smaller and has a more contoured handle. Uh, the old one was better for my fat ham hands, but the new one is still a good knife. So I buy those, and I was buying a good 12 to 20 of them. I forget exactly how many. <laughs> and the dead-eyed cashier didn't even blink. You know you've been doing your job too long when you don't even raise an eyebrow because... When you buy like half a dozen paring knives, you could probably justify up to that many as somebody buying something for their kitchen. When you walk out of there with a good 20 of them, no human being is buying that many knives for their personal use in their kitchen. So, you know, I've had cashiers go, hey, what are all the knives about? And I'll tell them, I'll resell them, uh, which is a perfectly serviceable answer, I suppose, if you were some kind of weirdo or lunatic and you were buying many, many knives for nefarious purposes, you could just say that. But anyway, uh, I check out with the knives, and much to my surprise, I had grabbed uh, one that was wrong. I had grabbed one that was an extra long steak knife. I don't normally produce sheaths of that length. Uh, it's not really in keeping with the type of package I had in mind. But since I had the knife, I thought, well, what the hell, I'll, I'll put a sheath on it. The sheath turned out really nice. It's a carbon fiber pattern kydex, which looked really sharp. And uh, I posted a picture of it, and a guy said, ooh, it's, it's disposable, that's perfect. And I got to thinking about that, because when I put the sheath on it, I wasn't really thinking in terms of disposable. But there are a lot of people on the market who definitely are thinking in terms of disposable. They're thinking in terms of ditch knives, knives that you can, well, there's two ways to look at this. Either they are knives that you can use and get rid of, because you no longer want to be associated with that knife, which would be criminal conduct. And I don't think anybody listening to this is a criminal. Or, more realistically, you're thinking of them in terms of knives that you're okay losing. Like, you go somewhere and there's an unexpected security checkpoint and you have to leave your knife behind and you can't put it back in your car or whatever. This would be a knife you wouldn't mind sacrificing. I've got 20 or 30 bucks in this knife. I regret that I will no longer have it, but it's easier to just sacrifice it. Throw it away or give it up to security or whatever. Um, or, as I said in a previous podcast about knives and, and self-defense, <coughs> if that knife is destined to end up in an evidence bag because you used it for self-defense, you wouldn't necessarily want a $300 knife. A $30 package can do everything that the $300 knife can do in terms of self-defense, unless we're talking about like the strength and fit and finish of lock mechanisms if it's got moving parts. So, really... There are reasons you would carry a disposable knife, but many of the reasons the, a disposable knife would be useful fall into the category of mm, less than legitimate 
lawful use of a blade. So my question is, is carrying a disposable knife package, is that a trap? Is that something you should be worried about? Is it something you should at least consider? Now, disposable knife packages have a long history. Uh, most recently, well, let me back up. There's, there's recent developments that have contributed to this trend. But I think, as far as I know, the start of dedicated, quote-unquote, disposable knife packages was a company called Sean's Tactical, which sadly I don't know if that exists anymore. I think the last time I went to their website I didn't find anything. But Sean's Tactical Specialty used to produce what they called their disposable draw point package. This was an inexpensive knife with a Kydex sheath, with, which I think was intended for inside the waistband carry, that you could buy for relatively little money. It was inspired by James Keating's draw point methodology. And you may recall in, in the podcast that I did on Pical, uh, draw point is kind of the precursor to the modern popular, pop, popularization and proliferation of these types of expedient knife methods, Pical and reverse grip, edge in, etc., etc. Draw point was a system wherein you use the knife in a reverse grip and you focused on drawing and stabbing as quickly as possible. Uh, so in that way, James Keating's work was groundbreaking. And Sean's tactical specialty produced this disposable draw point package specifically so that if you had to use the knife for self-defense, you weren't wedded to it. You didn't have a lot of money invested into it. Legally, I ideally, you use your knife for self-defense, you give it up to the officer, it ends up in courtroom evidence, and then you end up on trial for your life. That's what happens when you use a knife in self-defense. Um, interestingly, as disposable knife packages have grown in popularity, <coughs> we've also seen the original concept and then a movement away from the original concept. And by that I mean when uh, Ed Calderon and Ed's Manifesto popularized the Victorinox fruit knife as an expedient self-defense tool. People forget that the original concept for that knife was I can buy this Victorinox paring knife, this bird's beak paring knife, just about anywhere. So I would travel with a Kydex sheath that is made for the knife, or I would even improvise a sheath of materials that I can get just about anywhere. And then when I get where I'm going, when I'm traveling, I find a store that has this knife, I purchase it, I fit it to the sheath that I'm either carrying already or that I make from local materials like you know melting a milk carton or what have you soda bottle, water bottle, that kind of thing. Uh, and then I have an expedient self-defense tool um, that I've gotten locally because presumably I was unarmed while traveling of necessity. That concept, because it was so good, became so popular that an entire industry built up around fruit knives. That's actually what built my Etsy store because until the moment that I started making fruit knife sheaths and making inexpensive ones, um, you know, that were always available, my work wasn't as good as, as the people who popularized the concept and I all deference to them because they're way better than I am. But because I was offering them cheaply and they were always available on the site, they sold. And so that's what actually catapulted my, my hobby business into something that actually makes a nice side income. And as the fruit knife became more popular, people started actually customizing the knives themselves, giving them fancy handle wraps, uh, carbonizing the blades. Um, you know, just there are some really great 
custom knife makers who will do batches of fruit knives. And <laughs> by the time you're done, the fruit knife is as expensive as any other tactical blade you might buy by the time we're done getting a nice sheath and a customized blade and maybe a customized handle. So we go from this expedient sort of hobo tactical approach all the way up to this is now part of the, the lore and culture of the tactical knife EDC community. The exact same thing happened with the Pioneer Woman paring knife. Uh, there's a couple of generations of that knife. There's a smaller handled version, the Generation 1, which is superior. And then because every company seems to modify their knives and make them worse, they came out with a Generation 2 version of that knife. The blade is about the same size, but the handle is much fatter and rounder and not nearly as good for concealment. It doesn't feel as good in the hand. Now, it's still a nice knife. Still a good knife in and of itself. But the Generation 2 is not an improvement on the Generation 1. So Ed Calderon popularized the Generation 1. He actually had the knife with him and talked about it on some interview that he did. And so people start buying up these Pioneer Women paring knives. I'm actually told that the folks who make the Pioneer Woman, the, the Pioneer Woman herself, was none too thrilled to have her kitchen tool suddenly become part of you know the online knife community's stuff. I don't know if that's true. That's all third hand. But... Uh, I started offering sheaths for those knives, and I've seen really nice sheaths for those knives, and, and the prices are going up. Uh, so again, we, we saw this knife that started out as an expedient alternative become almost a fashion symbol, become like it was suddenly very fashionable to have not just a Pioneer Woman paring knife, but the one that has the white handle with the flowers inscribed on the sides, because that has a very... Santa Muerta kind of aesthetic going on. Um, and I, I just think that's cool that it went from being this expedient kitchen appliance to becoming a popular part of culture to becoming like a, almost a status symbol. You know, people were going out of their way and paying a premium to get these knives. It got to the point where you couldn't buy a Pioneer Woman paring knife in a store because they'd already all been bought up and you had to buy them at inflated prices online. Now, it seems like the Pioneer Woman paring knife is being discontinued. You can only find the teal-handled versions anymore, and there seems to be a glut of teal-handled versions, because every time I go into Walmart and check, there will be a resupply of just the teal ones. It used to be there was red, white, teal, and white with the flowers on it. Well, I've been selling the sheaths for those knives and the package with the knife and sheath at an inflated price. Um for anybody who wants to buy them. And right now I do have a supply of the teal-handled knives, uh, but interest in the knife is waning because the fad is trending over. And that's okay. These are always knife fads. I, honestly, I thought the fruit knife fad would have uh, phased out and that eventually I would end up... I, I, I foresaw a point at which I would just close my shop because when the fad was over... You know, a few sales here and there simply wasn't enough to, to bother keeping it open. Like, why have it running at all and occasionally have an order I have to fill when I could just not do that? Um, I originally got into Kydex only because I wanted to make my own sheaths. It was only subsequent to that that I started making stuff to sell online. And then when the fruit knife craze hit and I got in on that, um, purely because there was room in the market for more people to offer inexpensive Kydex sheaths for this particular knife, um, when that happened, 
I started making quite a bit of money off the store. And then when I introduced the Pioneer Woman Sheath, it was so popular briefly that I got so swamped with orders I got behind. I got so behind that Etsy suspended new sales on my site until I filled the backlog. Uh, and that took me quite a while to work my way through. I busted my butt to get those out the door. Um, so now, with th those knives waning in popularity, uh, it leads me to wonder, like, what will the future of disposable knife packages be? Um, the Victorinox knives, Victorinox is a company, it's almost like they hate all of us because the the fruit knife, the bird's beak fruit knife that was that is the popular item, there's two versions of that knife. There's the fruit knife and then there's a shaping knife that is the same blade with a slightly curved handle. So there's some confusion about those knives because of those two extremely similar models. But they've changed the number of the models at least once like the the fruit knife used to be like the 40606 or something like that and now it's the s.510 something or rather it's it's uh, actually i have it written down it's vn53103s say that five times fast um they no longer will allow me to buy them in bulk offering them on my site only made sense when i could buy the knives at a wholesale price um, if I have to buy them retail, it's a huge expenditure ahead of time. You're better off just buying the sheath from me and buying the knife yourself. Um, so when they made that change, when they said you've got to have a brick and mortar store if you want to buy wholesale, and that's even through distributors, not even from Victorinox directly. Like I used to get my knives from a distributor that sells lots of different models. And they told me, oh, Victorinox wants you to fill out this form and verify you have a brick and mortar store. And I don't. I only have an online store. So... <laughs> I phased out the Victorinox knives on my site. I now offer a Dexter Ruffle. De <coughs> excuse me. <coughs> oh boy. Heidi, how Kermit frog frog in my throat. Sorry, that's a terrible joke and a terrible impression. It sounds more like Jordan Peterson than it does. Has anyone ever seen Jordan Peterson and Kermit in the same room? Anyway, I now offer a, a Dexter. Uh... So anyway, I phased out the. Uh, Victorinox knives in favor of a Dexter Russell knife, which is almost the same knife. Uh, it's built the same. It's shaped the same. It's almost the exact same dimensions. Um, so, like, the trainers I had made go with these just as they did with the Victorinox, but um, the sheaths aren't the same because the, the knife dimensions are just a little different. The blade's just a little bit longer. Um, but it's, it's just as good. Uh, it, you know, fit and finish aren't quite as nice as a Swiss-made Victorinox, but they're good enough, and they certainly fit within the concept. So, all of that said, would you be better off, rather than carrying a disposable knife package for self-defense, would you be better off carrying a more conventional, maybe even a folding knife? It is a fact that when you have a fixed blade knife on your person, you're already kind of walking uphill when it comes to justifying the presence of that knife. I'm assuming if you're carrying a fixed blade knife that it's legal for you to do so. These knives that I'm talking about, um, not necessarily the Pioneer Woman, which has a pretty substantial blade, but the fruit knives, that's a like two and a quarter or two and a half at most. I think the Dexter Russell is maybe two and a half or just under. These are not big knives, but they're fixed. 
And there are places where if you carry a fixed blade knife, it is presumed that that is a weapon, or it is more likely to be interpreted as a weapon. Remember that if you ever have to put a blade in somebody else in self-defense, you are going to go on trial for that. There will be a trial. You will face law enforcement at some point, whether it's a grand jury uh, you know, or an actual trial. You're, they're going to look at you and go, why were you carrying that? And saying, well, I was carrying it for self-defense, already you're setting yourself up to fail because they're going to look at you and say, this was, this was a lunatic, Your Honor, and he was looking to stab somebody, and he finally got his wish. He's a dangerous person, and this is murder or manslaughter or whatever, and you should put him in jail. He's a bad person who should feel bad. And so you, you need to consider that. Make sure that it's legal to be carrying a fixed blade where you are. If, figure out what the explanation is you're going to give to explain why you're carrying this knife. Now, in the case of like the Victorinox fruit knife, it's actually an excellent knife. It's an excellent, excellent all-around utility blade. It's quite strong for the size. It's very convenient. Um, there's nothing you can't do with it. It's a great knife. I've seen people cut the handles down to make them easier for pocket carry, uh, so it's not quite as long. And you can't get a full grip on it anymore, but you know, for a utility knife, you wouldn't need that. So it's just a, it's a great knife overall. So that's one justification you could offer, provided it was legal for you to be carrying a non-folding knife in the first place. Now you might think, well, I'm just going to carry a folding knife because those will automatically be seen as utility knives. They might and they might not. Um, I'm reminded of the case of Jared Ha, who um, there's an excellent, excellent series by Funker Tactical on YouTube um, about Jared Ha. I think it's uh, this, the series is named The Edge of Something. Uh, but anyway, it's, it's a great multi-video series about Jared Ha and what he went through. This kid did absolutely everything right. He was carrying a folding karambit. He was carrying it specifically for defense. Um, he got into an altercation with some drunken frat boy who basically beat him down for no good reason. And Jared took every opportunity to de-escalate that situation. He did everything he could to avoid having to use force. When he had no other choice, he deployed the knife and he cut this kid only enough to get him off of him. And uh, the kid lived. You know, Jared, Jared survived the assault and the person that he cut survived. And then Jared's life got difficult because they put him through hell. He very nearly went to prison for this. He was acquitted. He did get off. Uh, but boy, it was not easy. And the fact that he got off was explicitly due to the, the reasons... He did everything right. He made no mistakes in how he handled himself. Um, I was kind of, I was actually reminded of the way that Kyle Rittenhouse answered questions on the stand during his trial. Without a doubt, Kyle was coached by his lawyers. His lawyers absolutely knew what they were doing because all of the answers he gave were spot on the correct ones. But also, the way that Kyle conducted himself in the moment was he gave the prosecutors nothing to grab onto because they absolutely would have. They were willing to basically commit malfeasance in order to railroad him into prison. The, the prosecutor in that case is corrupt or incompetent. It's one or the other. And uh, absolutely, if they had found anything they could have grabbed onto, they would have used it. So in both cases, you got people who used force and self-defense and who ultimately were acquitted, but only after a long struggle. So my point is that even though Jared was carrying, I, I almost think karambit kind of nullifies folding knife anyway, because a karambit will be seen as more of a fighting knife as opposed to any conventional folder. But he was carrying a folding knife instead of a fixed blade, and still it was his actions that mattered. 
The knife was just a weapon, and he was prosecuted for having it. It didn't matter what it was. Uh, and his actions really did make the difference. <sighs> You've been programmed to believe that the name of the knife or the type of the knife, just like the name or the type of the gun, makes a difference. You know, that, that if you're carrying the, the Rambotron Death Splitter 3000, that's very different than if you're carrying a Spyderco Ladybug. Um, and you've been told that, you know, if you shoot a guy and you had Punisher skulls on the grips of your gun, then the prosecutor will seize on that and you will go to prison because you clearly wanted to murder this guy. Well, yes and no. Again, your actions will be the final determination. If there's any vagary, then yes, that will salt the wounds and, and you know, any trappings that made it look like you were, you know, a gunfighter or posts that you made online about being a gunfighter. You know, they'll introduce all of that in the attempt to make you look like a crazed would-be killer. But if you conducted yourself well and you did everything right, that is what will save you. Now, should you go putting Punisher skulls on your carry gun? Probably not. You know, avoid anything that makes it look like you're the kind of guy that just wanted to do him some shooting of some bad guys. But at the same time, I would worry less about all of the, the trappings of your self-defense gear and more about how did I conduct myself? Did I conduct myself within the law? Have I followed the reasonable man standard? Is what I've done reasonable by that standard? And I realize there's some some wiggle room there. What one person considers reasonable, another person might not. But there's only so much ground to argue there. So, are disposable knives a trap? Are you setting a legal trap for yourself? Are you setting yourself up to have problems later? Not necessarily. There are some considerations, and you do have to look at whether just the nature of the knife is legal in terms of its, you know, you're carrying a fixed blade, can you do that? Beyond that, if it's legal for you to carry a fixed blade, then it doesn't matter if you're carrying a $300 knife or a $30 knife, as I've said. The, the nature of what you're carrying for self-defense and what you then do will be analyzed strongly. So if I'd gone out and bought one of Sean's disposable draw point packages back in the day, and then I'd draw pointed me some kind of mugger, it might have come out that that's where the knife came from that that's what it was for, that it was intended for self-defense. And I could see a prosecutor going, so why does it need to be disposable, Mr. Elmore? Now, the answer to that is because, well, because you don't want to have any particular attachment to a tool that you're carrying for self-defense. You shouldn't have any emotion invested in that. You shouldn't feel strongly about it. It's just like a phone. It's something that you're carrying for your safety. I think that's the right answer. But again, you will be, you will be judged by a standard that is not necessarily reasonable because depending on how much the prosecutor hates self-defense, you will be painted as some manner of monster for having engaged in self-defense. Our society really lauds victims over victors. They would much rather see you lose, see you be victimized, see you be hurt, see you even be killed, than to see you strike down another person in self-defense, in lawful, moral self-defense. That's just how it is. So will your disposable knife package become a liability only if you behave in a way that makes it a liability and only if you don't understand the position you, you're starting out in when that is your choice for carry. I think that pretty much uh, sums it up. All right, this has been the Martial Arts Podcast with Phil Elmore. I have been the aforementioned Phil Elmore, your host. Until next time, pretend I said something cool here. This has been the Martial Arts Podcast with Phil Elmore. Visit us online at linktree slash Elmore.